welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zempo Oper in Dresden, Germany. In this episode, Dr. François Germain and I discuss the text to En fermant les yeux from Massenet's Manon, directing our attention to the nasal vowels, which come up immediately in the recitative of this aria, the difference between bright and dark A, and the combination I-L-L in the middle of words. For more information about François Germain, or me, Ellen Rissinger, or for the accompanying PDF of this text, which includes an IPA transcription along with poetic and word-for-word translations, please visit DictionPolice.com. And if you haven't already listened to episode 100, entitled IPA Reloaded, an audio guide to the phonetic alphabet, you can find that at the website or on our YouTube channel. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter at Diction Police. Yeah. The opera Manon by Jules Massenet premiered in 1884 and was based on Abbé Prévost's novel L'Histoire du Chevalier des Grieux et de Manon Lescaut. This book also inspired a ballet by Alevi, another French opera by Aubert, and an Italian opera by Puccini. Massenet also wrote a short sequel to Manon, entitled Le Portrait de Manon, which premiered ten years after the original opera. Instant charmant où la crainte fait trêve, où nous sommes deux seulement. Tiens, Manon, en marchant, je viens de faire un rêve. En fermant les yeux, je vois là-bas une humble retraite, une maisonnette toute blanche au fond des bois. Sous ses tranquilles ombrages, les clairs et joyeux ruisseaux où se mirent les feuillages chantent avec les oiseaux. C'est le paradis. Oh non, tout est là, triste et morose, car il y manque une chose. Il y faut encore Manon. C'est un rêve, une folie. Non, viens, là sera notre vie, si tu le veux, ô oh Manon. One of the things we find in this recitative is that it has every single nasal vowel possibility that we have in French. So I thought we'd start off talking about all of the nasal vowels. Yes, they are, they are all here, uh, especially in the, the, the second part of this. Tiens, Manon, en marchant. Je viens de faire un rêve. So all now four of them we have there. all four of them, right? So let's start with the, well, the first one, <laughs> the, the open and nasal. Honestly, we even get that... At the very beginning, too. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's replete with, with uh, nasal vowels. Instant charmant où la crainte fait trêve. So, like you said, let's start with the open N nasal. When you have some, anything that has that many nasal vowels, you, you, you do have to think about how you're going to sing it. Because if you do put all this a lot in the nose, you won't have any resonance. And especially starting an aria just on a nasal vowel, I think it's always nice to remember that nasal vowels should be sung primarily on the underlying vowel. Well, the other thing to remember is, too, when we're singing, we're already using the nasal resonance. Yes, there is already a fair amount of nasal resonance that happens naturally because of singing and because of the amount of air that goes through there. Uh, what you have to remember is when you hear spoken French, it will sound very nasal. Mm -hmm. and the nasals are actually quite nasal, mm -hmm. meaning there's, there's a good drop of the soft palate when we speak in French. You don't need to do that in singing. 
so you have to be careful that what you have in your ear as a spoken language doesn't make you want to do the same thing in singing. Mm -hmm. Lyric diction and spoken diction are two different things. And that's why we study this, right? Exactly. That's, there's a way to sing in every language. And this is one of the things about French and singing in French. When there are nasal vowels, you have to be careful that you sing them as vowels. Yeah. Primarily. So when we start with the open E nasal. Okay, so back to our open E. <laughs> the underlying vowel is the open E. Make sure that you form that properly. It's uh, it's a fairly open vowel in French. Uh, it's a little bit more open than in Italian. It's very similar to the open E in German. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the nasals that tends to become a little bit odd uh, sometimes. It, it can sometimes migrate towards an odd nasal, like... Yeah, so they almost people almost want to make it rhyme with the anasal. That's correct, and it's it's really not. And I think it the the reason why it happens is because we we forget that it's actually just an open e. If you think open e, you're not going to sing en stall. You're going to sing uh And then the other thing that happens to the open e is that it tends to be nasalized too much compared to the others. Yeah, uh, and becomes like a little too uh, pinched and. Yeah, the soft palate comes down too much. And it comes, yeah, it becomes duck quacky. Yeah. A little bit too much. Eh. Eh. Exactly. Which loses resonance entirely. Yeah. So you really want to start this with a nice open eh, and then put a little bit of feeling in the nose, but not too much. And the interesting thing for me with that is that it can be spelled either I-N, E-N, mm -hmm. or we see also at the end of the first line, A-I-N. Yeah, so instant, tiens, crainte. These are the three spellings we have here. Welcome to French. Um, <laughs> we have all these different spellings for the same sounds. Uh, and that's, that's, that's part of the difficulty of the language. So when we come to the anasal, what are we basing this sound on? What's the primary vowel all right, we're looking so for? So what's very important to remember the anasal is that it's a dark ah we're talking about. We're not talking about the usual bright ah, the, you know, the, the lowercase a in phonetics. This is really an ah sound. And... I think it's helpful to think of it as almost like an open oh. That's kind of where I feel it too. Very, very often when I when I coach the anasal, I will tell singers to just really think of an open oh because you'll you'll be closer to the truth. If if you think too much of the ah, you'll it'll probably tend to be too bright. Yeah. So insta instead of insta. Mm -hmm. I I do think of the word like ah oh, like awesome in English. Oh. Yeah, that's a very good analogy actually. It's mm -hmm. it's, it's very helpful for um, English speakers. But it's, so basically, the the, the 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 takeaway here is that it's it's a very rounded, open vowel, mm -hmm. and it's 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 a nice vowel to sing actually. Mm -hmm. And again, don't put it in the nose too much. will be just enough. Mm -hmm. If I speak it like that, it doesn't sound right. But right. if if you sing it like that, I promise you, it will it will be okay. Yeah, and I find that we tend once we've said an a nasal, we tend to not close the o nasal enough. That's one of the issues, right? So if you have uh, anasal and onasal, and if, if you think about the fact that anasal is very close to an open o, that means that the difference between the two is just between an open o and a closed o. Yeah. So you have to have a clear difference between your closed and open vowels. That means that your onasal has to be very closed. And it, it makes perfect sense because the, the closed o in French is very close anyway. Une maisonnette toute blanche au fond des bois. This is actually mm -hmm. a great spot because we have the, the pure O and the nasal O in a row, right? right yeah, we also right. have it in the aria right. too. O, non, same, same, same configuration where you have the O first and then the nasal O. 
basically, once you have your closed O, just hold on to it for your nasal. Just mm -hmm. sing the exact same vowel. That there should be nothing changing except a little bit of uh, soft palate lowering, but very minimally. You don't yeah. you don't need to do a whole lot. It shouldn't yeah. sound like oh fun, where everything goes into the nose. Exactly. Well, that won't come off the stage either. That's correct. You will lose resonance, uh, and, and you want resonance. Yeah. So back to the recitative. That means that her name has a bright starts with a bright sound, right? So it's very far away from this closed o. That's correct. And you know that's sometimes something that singers tend to do. They want to over darken the bright a, both in French and in Italian. So the name here is Mano. And not ma, ma. Yeah, we don't want to do a vocalic harmonization no, no, no. kind it's, of thing. It's here. really bright. Ah, ma, no. And then you go to that nice closed O. Ma, no. Exactly. And to compare it, because here we have this, and then we follow it straight up with the anasal. Correct. So we have tiens, ma, no, en Ma, no, Depending on how much nasal you put in it. Exactly. But it's really the difference between an O and an O. O, O. The last nasal vowel we have is one that comes up much more seldom, this U-N spelling. U-N. So U-N is just a word for a, uh, uh, the indef indefinite uh, article. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it, it is fairly common, but it's not, you know, you won't find it all the time, uh, but you do have to know it. And that nasal, the O-E nasal, also happens in other words uh, every once in a while. And we actually have another one in this piece, une noble retraite. So it, it, it does happen. It's much rarer than the others. And it's one that tends to be tricky because people don't quite know what the underlying vowel is. Well, partly because in spoken language now, it's become just the N nasal. Yes, we've lost this sound mostly in speaking. And we've, like you said, turned it into the open E. So un, humble. Mm -hmm. uh, but in lyric diction, just because we're a little more refined and we want to go with you know, um, the full richness of the language. These should really be a rêve and une noble retraite. The underlying vowel is the OE. Which we, ha which we have in a few places in this piece. Seulement, feuillage, yes, the OE. So the OE is one of the mixed vowels in French, and I think maybe that's why um, there's a little bit of difficulty with it when it comes to making a nasal vowel. But just, you know, go step by step. Remember that this is an OE, so it's, it's a mixed vowel. Mixed vowel means that you have the inner shape of one vowel, in this case the open E, and the lip shape of another vowel, in this case the open A. You form both, E, you run your lips to the open A, and then you have your E. Once you have your E, you have your underlying vowel for the OE nasal. And just as the others, all you need to do is either almost nothing or feel just a little bit more uh, nasal vibrancy for, for the sound. E, Rev, and especially for the article, for the UN word, I find that most of the time, if you just if you just sing the straight OE, it will do the trick very very well. Mm -hmm. It's often said on a short note anyway. It's it's often unimportant. Uh, you won't stress it, and if you form a nice OE on that sound, it'll it'll work quite well. Exactly, and basically the only difference between this OE nasal and the E nasal is the placement of the lips, that the lips are in a slight, in, in the open O position and everything else here is the exact same thing as E. That's correct. So E is just an open E and E is an open E with the rounded lips. And exactly. And this phrase itself then, if you when, once you see that this entire phrase, your tongue is in the exact same position. Je viens de faire un rêve. 
Yes, you, your tongue is in the position of the open air the whole time. And it's just your, your, your lips moving around. Exactly, because the schwa, of course, is the same as the, is the equivalent to the OE. Yeah, schwa in French, we're just going to keep as a straight OE um, in, in all cases. So, je, again, that's like OE. Viens, we go back to the open air. De, OE. Then, faire, open air. Un, OE. Re, ve, open air, and schwa. So, it's, so literally, it's, the lips are go back and forth, but the vowel... In the back, in the in the tongue, stays in the same. Yeah, position. and it's, it's really important to sort of identify and recognize when you sing, because otherwise you're going to start doing all sorts of gymnastics that are not necessary, and will make it much harder to sing and find your legato. Yeah. If you can keep everything in one place, then you'll have a great sense of line and great resonance, and all you have to do is, uh, you know, put in these little consonants here and there. Exactly. We talked a little bit about the uh, the bright ah. Uh, but there is a dark ah uh, in French. We do have it in a few places. This and actually, we have the bright and the dark ah uh, back to back. Yes. So the dark ah uh, is much rarer. It's sort of between a bright ah uh and an open ah, uh, but it doesn't happen all that much. It does happen on certain important words like the word for soul, âme in French, which we don't have here, but you might as well know it. Well, the ones with the circumflex. Yeah, or any word that has an accent circum, an a with an accent circumflex on it. But then it also happens technically, and I'll, I'll explain why I say technically, but it happens with words that end in S or when you have an AS combination in the middle. And in some texts you will find these systematically transcribed as a dark A, which is what we've done here. In the word laba over there, uh, technically the second A is a, a dark A. Uh, same thing with bois, that O-I-S ending typically should be uh, a dark A. I will admit that most of the time I coach these as uh, bright eyes, especially the laba. Just it's easier to not have to worry about moving and changing the vowel. So instead of saying laba, I would I would just coach laba. It sounds a little bit more natural too. Mm-hmm. Will we still sound French? Yes, absolutely. It won't affect how well understood you are. Uh, it also won't sound like you're making a mistake. Uh, in fact, in in speech, uh, it, it's pretty much the case that these dark eyes have disappeared most of the time. Yeah. So again, it's a little bit of a gray area. You, you, you can do a darker eye if it suits your voice better, but you don't have to. Yeah. We have a few words in this that have lots and lots of letters. And I think when you first study French, this is what puts many of us off. We all sort of freak out because we see a bunch of letters and it's hard to remember how to pronounce them. So I wanted to start with Riso, <laughs> yes. Only because when you look at this, it has not. It doesn't look anything like what it sounds like. No, which, that's why IPA is great, right? Because if you look at the transcript, it, it looks much easier. Also. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's there's two things that happen in French. One is that we have combination of letters that can spell one sound, and also we tend to have a lot of silent letters. Well, and there's also, I would say, not just combinations that make one sound, but combinations that consistently make two sounds to, as well. Oh, of well. course. Just because you see two vowels in a row, does you shouldn't assume that it's just going to be one sound. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two. Exactly. And sometimes it's uh, glides, sometimes it's actually real vowels. So here, riso, uh, we have all these cases that we're talking about. The first combination of letters, uh, ui, will actually turn into an upside-down H, which is one of, of our glides in French, followed by the E phonetically. So, Rui. This is a standard spelling that we see in like, Fui. Nui. Yeah. Ui is, Ui is uh, very common. It's tricky. It's one, of the, it's one of the tricky things to pronounce properly for foreign speakers, usually, because of the upside-down H. 
what tends to happen is that this upside down H glide tends to turn into a little bit of a W glide. So it's a ruisseau, we'll hear a little bit of a ruisseau in something like this. You have to remember that the upside down H is basically just a short version of the lowercase y. So it's U. You start on U in this, in this combination. You start on U and then you move to E quickly. Rui, Rui, So. And the actual primary vowel will be the E. U as in like the word for you. Tu. Si tu le veux au manon at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, we have that lowercase y. So this is an example of two letters that spell a sound and a half, I would say. There's a glide and a vowel. Right. right. But then at the end of this word, we have E-A-U, three letters. Mm -hmm. With an X, with a silent X. With an X, yes. Yeah, so four <laughs> letters, three vowels, one consonant. Let's, let's, let's just eliminate the consonant. The consonant right. is just silent, just because it's silent, it's fun. X, don't pronounce it. Then we're left with these three vowels. And what do you do with that? E-A-U is a standard spelling. It's just a closed O, so, And every time you see an E-A-U, you will have to go automatically to a closed O. We have it in chante avec les oiseaux, same configuration with the silent X and the E-A-U that spells the closed O. And you'll see it in other arias because the words E-A-U, the letters E-A-U can also just be a word by themselves. Yeah, O, E-A-U means water, E-A-U-X, mm -hmm. e X also will, will happen, several waters. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's just a standard spelling to remember. Exactly. So here we have Riso. So all, you know, these five vowels just really spell two main vowel sounds yeah. in, in the word. Two basic syllables that's in that right. sense. So when it comes to the next word that looks crazy, here we need to figure out where it splits up. Yeah, feuillage. So feuillage, uh, when you see anything that has that I-L-L combination, you have to sort of have your radar up uh, immediately. Uh, that I-L-L will spell a J-glide. Except in three words, mille ville tranquille, and we actually do have tranquille right before this, sous cette tranquille ombrage. In this case, the I-L-L does not spell J-glide, it just remains I-L, il, tranquille. Mm -hmm. So feuillage, we have the I-L-L uh, that spells the J-glide. Then we have to figure out what we do with the other letters in here. The EU will function as a combination, a digraph, to create one sound. In this case, the open OE, just as we have at the very beginning in seulement. So far, we have feuille with the jig light. Then we have the A, which is just a straight bright A, feuille, and then the GES ending, je, feuillage. So this whole middle here that looks quite sort of dense with letters is actually two main sounds. Fe, ya, fe, ya, and then je. Yeah. I guess the basic thing is whenever we see words that look really complicated, to start breaking them down into these patterns always. Yeah, it's trying to figure out which letters function together as a little group. Yeah. At the end of this, we have a lot of places where we have a T in liaison, and sometimes it, it can sound very t -t 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 Correct. And first of all, I wanted to make sure, T's in French, are they dental or are they not dental? They're absolutely dental, which means that the point of articulation is really um, at the tip of the, the teeth. Like the, at the, the back of the teeth, yeah. yeah the, the tip of the tongue, rather, touches the back of the teeth, not the ridge, as we would do in German and English. And the other thing about this is that you have to make sure that you don't send too much air through the consonant. 
because even if you do it at, in the right place, if you make it too explosive with too much air, it'll sound a little bit wrong too. Yeah. So there, think about Italian at consonants. Think about your Italian T's and D's. It's the same thing in French. Yeah. Chante avec les oiseaux. Chante avec. Now here, chante is a verb in the third person of the plural, so that ENT ending is actually just a schwa with a silent T, which means that we can have the liaison after. Right. And in this case, we should have the liaison. Chante avec les oiseaux is very inelegant, uh, and usually a verb followed by a preposition, the liaison is mandatory. So here we have to do the T liaison. That means that you're going to have two T sounds in a row. I like to always talk about the consonants in liaison as lighter versions of themselves. Okay. So a T in liaison is a little bit of a lighter feeling, lighter touch than a full-fledged T in the middle of the word. Chante avec. So the second T is a little bit more delicate than the yeah. first. Which helps avoid that feeling of that 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 you were talking about. Yeah. We also have this back to back with the birds. Yeah, then les oiseaux we have les oiseaux we have a uh, a standard liaison uh, between the plural article and um, the word oiseau. Uh, in this case in this case too we end up creating two Z sounds in a row. So you wanna be careful to not sing a really big strong Z to start. Les oiseaux make it a, bit more, a little bit more delicate, les oiseaux, so that it feels, you know, a, a liaison is is, a, is supposed to be a refined device in the language, so if, if you make it too obvious or too strong, it loses that quality. Mm -hmm. And especially when we go on here, when we have au nom, tout est là, triste et morose. We have tout est là, triste. We have three T's, four T's in very close, close proximity. So you want to make sure that the one that's the liaison, tout est, is a little bit lighter. Tout est la triste morose. Exactly. And in the last line of this? Il faut, il y faut encore Manon. And there, since nothing else is around, it's it's going to it, pop the, out as a T, but it's it not. It is, and it's less problematic there. It's just you just have to be careful when your liaison starts to create a lot of alliterations. Yeah. Uh, that might sound a little bit funny. Yeah. When it comes to French pronunciation, there are so many exceptions that we don't always remember the rules. One rule that we can generally count on, though, is that when an O is followed by a phonetic Z in a word, it will be closed. We see that in this text with the words morose and chose. One word to pay special attention to is the word for life, vie. In normal speech, this word is one syllable, and would be phoneticized as V and the lowercase i. But when this comes up in opera or art song repertoire, we have to check how the composer said it. In this case, Massenet adds the final e at the very end with its own note, meaning that he intends for us to pronounce the schwa separately. However, somehow this is easy to see when the schwa comes after a consonant, as in humble retraite, but when it's after another vowel, sometimes we're not so sure. Always check in the score. If there's a dash between the vowel and the E, the composer intends the mute E to not be mute anymore. We talked about the third-person plural form of the verb chantier in regards to liaison, in the phrase chante avec les oiseaux. We do have another right before it, too. Où se mire les feuillages? Se mire 
is also in the third person plural, so the final ENT becomes simply a schwa. This can cause some confusion because there are words with final ENT that are pronounced with the A nasal, as in seulement. Really, this ending is M-E-N-T, the mark of an adverb, and we can add this to many adjectives to create adverbs, for example, absolument and heureusement. The ending A-N-T will always be the A nasal, as we see here in instant charmant, marchand, and fermant. Instant charmant où la crainte fait rêve, où nous sommes deux seulement. Tiens, Manon, en marchant, je viens de faire un rêve. En fermant les yeux, je vois là-bas une humble retraite, une maisonnette toute blanche au fond des bois. Sous ces tranquilles ombrages, les clairs et joyeux ruisseaux où se mirent les feuillages, chantent avec les oiseaux. C'est le paradis, ô oh non, tout est là triste et morose, car il y manque une chose, il y faut encore Manon. C'est un rêve, une folie, non, viens, là sera notre vie, si tu le veux, ô Manon. This interview with François Germain was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. Translation and phonetic guide by François Germain. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction GBR.